Hello, my rebels. Today, I take you through a very interesting article on the CBC State Broadcaster. At first, I thought it was going to be amazing. They were saying, why the heck aren't the RCMP investigating all these derailments on the railroads? I'm thinking, wow, they're going after the eco-terrorists. Finally, shocked to see that from the CBC. Yeah, no, that's not what they meant. I'll take you through it. It's incredible. But first, let me invite you to become a premium subscriber, signing up for what we call Rebel News Plus. That's basically this podcast, but in video form. So we got footage for you, video footage of things that you have to see, like a blockade that you just need to see with your own eyes. Please consider subscribing. Go to rebelnews.com. It's eight bucks a month. You get this show, plus Sheila Gunn-Reed's show and David Menzies' show. Okay, here's the podcast. Tonight, the police simply announced that they're not going to investigate the train derailments. I wish I were kidding. It's March 6th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government is because it's my bloody right to do so. Look at this from Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster, the official broadcaster of Greta Thunberg, David Suzuki, and the fraudulent Chief Wooz, the fake First Nations chief who came out of nowhere to be the representative for the Wet'suwet'en Indians opposing pipelines, even though 100% of the Wet'suwet'en bands along the pipeline route actually support the pipeline. I'll get back to everything I just said there in a moment. But like I say, look at this story. Police not probing recent rail disasters, crude oil derailments, deaths for possible negligence. And then the subheadline: finger pointing among railways, outside police, safety officials in investigations at CBC finds. So, hang on, the police are just not going to investigate? So just no arrests, eh? No, not even arrests, no, no investigations. They're, they're just pretending this sort of thing is not happening. I know, I know. Let's call it uh, throwing snowballs. Yeah, that's it. At least that's what our justice minister says. And he says the people that are throwing things at trains and they look like they're trying to derail a train or lighting fires should be treated as terrorist acts and as terrorists. You're the justice minister. Is he right? Well, I, I think an act of stupidity, like, like getting in the way of a train or throwing a snowball off the train, which is exceptionally dangerous, puts your own life in danger, far from an act of terrorism. There's a lot of hyperbole uh, that's being added, you know, fuel throwing onto the fire uh, by uh, various people. That's not going to help us get to a solution. You know, it just struck me. I've seen that clip about five times. They were actually throwing fire on the tracks. He called that a snowball. But what he called about people who were worried about it, he said that was throwing fuel on the fire. What a weird, weird man. Uh, yeah, are you surprised that Warren Buffett, the world's more successful investor, just announced he's pulling his billions out of a Quebec-based pipeline project, LNG project? I'm not. He specifically said it was for reasons of political risk. Warren Buffett invests around the world in countless countries, but he doesn't trust Canada with his money. Just 
let that sink in for a moment. Now, you're stuck here. Your house, your business, your property, you are stuck here. Warren Buffett, he's leaving now before it's his project that's torched. Not because some yahoos lit a fire near the train tracks. There are yahoos everywhere, even in the United States, too. It's just that in the United States, their attorney general doesn't go on TV and say, hey guys, stop being stupid and throwing snowballs when it's actually eco-terrorism. That's what's scary. Trudeau and his Justice Minister Lametti and Trudeau's RCMP, some young thugs aren't scary. Trudeau abiding them is scary. So what, that's another 3 billion US, 4 billion Canadian gone from the economy like that. But back to the news story on the CBC. Let's start with the photo caption there. No police are investigating two derailments within two months along CP's rail line near Guernsey, Saskatchewan, despite known track problems. Track problems, I wonder what that means. Were the tracks rusty or crooked or worn out? If they were, that's more of a maintenance investigation. Why would police investigate a maintenance problem? I wonder if there's something they're not telling us about the track problems. I'll read some more from the CBC story. Public police forces are choosing not to investigate major accidents at CN and Canadian Pacific Railway, including recent crude oil train crashes and deadly derailments, as CBC News investigation into Canada's rail system has found. Well, I'll say that's one way of putting it. Another way is... Police are literally standing by and watching and doing nothing. Remember the blockade of the rail line in northern Alberta? They, the police were, were there. They were standing there doing nothing. It took good Samaritans who had to come by to take down the dangerous blockade. Remember? Yeah, the police weren't investigating. They were hanging out, having a coffee, sitting in the warmth of their police cars while those real guys did the work. I'm not saying the police are happy about having their hands tied behind their back. I have trouble believing that the rank-and-file police joined the RCMP, went to their training academy, learned how to be a good cop, take the oath, and then are instructed to literally do nothing. They were instructed not to enforce the law. I don't think it was their decision. What a disgrace. You know, the Premier of Quebec himself said there are Mohawks patrolling with AK-47s. That's the Russian-made assault rifle, as it's commonly called. I saw another story where Quebec's provincial police report that protesters have armor-piercing, heavy-caliber weapons. Truly military-grade stuff. And they say that they need the army to help them with that. Which Trudeau promptly ruled out. So Trudeau won't let the RCMP do anything. Quebec police say they would need even stronger help, but Trudeau won't let the military do anything. Lametti, the foolish justice minister, says he's like those three monkeys. He doesn't see anything, he doesn't hear anything, he won't say anything. It's all fine, just some snowball fights, guys. 
Yeah, we're stuck with these buffoons, but Warren Buffett isn't. He's gone. You know, under Obama, there were protests like this in America, too. Um, not as widespread, but in the Dakota Access Pipeline lands, there were hundreds of paid professional protesters blocking a pipeline in America. Obama specifically allowed it. It was lawless. Literally the first week Trump was inaugurated, he issued an order in support of both the Dakota Access Pipeline and the Keystone XL Pipeline, and those anarchic lawbreakers were cleared out immediately. No big deal. Most of them were just paid extras. Like in a Hollywood movie, the people standing around in the crowd, they signed up for the free money, for the festival atmosphere, a bit of excitement, a little bit of travel, maybe, maybe meet some girls, do some drugs. Only a handful of hardcore activists were really looking for violence there. And the ringleaders of the whole thing, they were back in the offices of the environmental organizations, back in San Francisco or Amsterdam. They weren't going to fight. It was over like that. So they're gone, and America's pumping oil. Um, protesters really aren't tough, most of them. They're just used to manipulating cowards and fools. I, I mean, look what Kean Bexty found when he went up to the Wet'suwet'en lands in B.C. this week. It's not battle-hardened warriors. It's a bunch of liberal rich kids from Vancouver and San Francisco. They would fold in seconds. Are you indigenous yourself? Why are you manning this, this checkpoint? That's interesting. We're white people, what do you know? Yeah, I'm just wondering what's going on here. For what? Are you indigenous yourself? No. What brings you here? You're camping on here for what for what reason? It's fun. I bet. No pipelines for our future. Are you protesting pipelines? Can you tell me why? Now, I know that in the Mohawk Reserves, there actually is a warrior culture, and many of those Mohawks have served in the military, either in the Canadian military or the American military. But look, either there's rule of law in Canada or there isn't. And when Trudeau announces in advance that he will do nothing, and his justice minister announces in advance that he will do nothing, and the RCMP announces in advance that they will do nothing, it's like those malls in the United States that put up signs saying, gun-free zone. It's an ad, it's a, it's a sign to criminals or even mass murderers that if they go there to do their nasty work, there won't be a law-abiding gun owner to shoot back. You're telling the criminals to come, it's an ad, really. Come do crime here, we promise we won't stop you. Although it looks to me like Trudeau maybe just cut a quarter billion dollar check to the Mohawks to make them stop stealing his lunch money. I think that's what this news means. But back to the derailments. It's not just Saskatchewan. Here's Kean up in BC this week. A train has derailed in Prince George just west of where I am right now. A school of about 28 kids has been evacuated. They've been sent to a church uh, and they've had their parents called and they're going to be sent to another school if their parents aren't able to pick them up. This is the fifth train that has derailed in the last 30 days that I've counted. I've just done some quick research on what I could find. In the, there was the two in Saskatchewan, uh, in Kingston, then near Emo, Ontario as well. 
uh, and then this one in Prince George. Many of these trains have carried crude oil. Yeah, so five derailments in a month. At the same time that there's a wave of railway blockades, the Trudeau and Lametti and the RCMP have said and have shown they won't prosecute. Pretty obvious what's going on to me. But here's what's so incredible about the CBC story. I started reading the CBC story fascinated with the fact that the CBC, which is the chief cheerleader for the railway blockaders, the CBC, which for 40 years has had David Suzuki, who has a foundation full of registered anti-oil lobbyists, that CBC suddenly worried about trail derailments and the RCMP not prosecuting anyone or even arresting or even investigating anything? I thought, is the CBC suddenly worried about eco-terrorism after promoting it? Yeah, no. As I read further in this article, it became apparent the CBC wants the RCMP, get this, to prosecute the railroads themselves for spilling the oil. So not to prosecute the eco-terrorists. They are not mentioned in the story. But the railroad companies themselves, I swear to God, let me quote, this finger-pointing and jurisdictional dodgeball means that in Canada, public police forces seldom, if ever, investigate failures by railways in major disasters, including after a runaway train in the B.C. mountains last winter that killed three crew members. In connection with that crash, a Transportation Safety Board official has publicly called for the RCMP to investigate potential criminal negligence. Got it. So these blockades and derailments in the last 30 days, five of them, the CBC is trying to connect that to something a year ago, runaway train. The CBC knows in their bones that their failures of the railways, negligence of the railways. See, the railways aren't the victims of eco-terrorism. No, 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 no. They're the perpetrators of negligence here. That's what the CBC is saying. The railways need to be investigated. <laughs> Not the CBC's favorite eco-activists. And look at this. this. This takes a very special creative writing to say this. CBC asked both CN and CP whether, in the past um, 20 years, they've ever called in outside the police to lead investigations into a major railway incident involving a death, serious injury, or derailment. Both declined to answer that question or answer whether they have ever criminally charged an employee related to railway operations. Got it. So this huge story on the CBC is about railway employees who the CBC thinks are criminals. And the CBC is really mad that they haven't been investigated. And they say the police have absolutely cleared the blockades. Don't believe your lying eyes. Let me read this next part. It's incredible. The RCMP, OPP, Toronto Police or Hamilton Police all of which helped clear recent rail blockades, couldn't point to a single case over 20 years where they used their authority to probe a railway crash or fatality. Hey guys, don't believe your lying eyes. No, 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 these protesters, they didn't do it. Believe Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster. Police totally took down that blockade, guys. You can see it right there. See that big red flaming snowball? That's a snowball. Police totally came in and took out that burning snowball, guys. The CBC literally said the police helped clear the blockades. I, I like that. They, they helped clear. That's, that's classic. Um, yeah, they helped. They helped by staying in their toasty warm police cars 
while severely normal Albertans cleared this one in Alberta, we have literally had five derailments in a month, the month of railway blockades. And the CBC is outraged that the RCMP aren't investing the railroads themselves for a derailment that happened years ago on some other matter. That's their big focus. So you've got Trudeau's CBC, Trudeau's RCMP, and of course Trudeau's main interlocutor up there with the Witzwaiten, the man who calls himself Chief Woos, who is neither a chief nor named Woos. His mama called him Frank Jimmy Alec. And here's a little bit about him. I was doing research on Frank Alec and I found in a newspaper from 1998 this story showing that Frank Alec, Frank Jimmy Alec, beat his wife, was accused and convicted at a tribal circle. The elders were presiding as judges and they convicted him and sentenced him. So it took quite some time to confirm that the person in this article that has these egregious claims against them was indeed the same Frank J. Alec who now considers themselves Chief Woos. <laughs> yeah, fake chief, fake chief with a real criminal record. I'm shocked. Um, if you had three or four billion dollars like uh, Warren Buffett, would you put it in a pipeline project in this country? with us for more. Well, I want to give you a bit of a change of pace today. You, do you ever meet friends online only? You know what I mean? You meet someone on Facebook or Twitter before you actually meet them in real life. Well, I did. And so today is the first day I'm going to meet one of my Twitter friends. His name is Ali Tagva. And I got to know him through his work as the editorial brains behind a great new conservative-leaning website in Canada called Post Millennial. You probably know some of their writers, including one of my favorites, Barbara Kane. I'm a subscriber of Post Millennial. I tell you, you got to subscribe to Post Millennial, True North, Black Locks, because you got to support these independent sites. I wouldn't say Post Millennial is a right wing as Rebel is, but I think they're important. And one of the guys who helps shape it is Ali Tagva. Well, he told me he was moving on to new adventures. I said, well, come on the show. Let's meet in real life, and you can tell us about the new project. And joining us in our Toronto studio is Ali Tagwa. Nice to finally meet you in person. Nice to meet you as well, Ezra. It's been a long time. Um, it was bound to happen at some point, and now here we are. Well, congratulations on Post Millennial. I know you've moved on to the new company, but give me just a minute. Starting a new media organization in Canada that is not completely left-wing, it's tough. I mean, you guys, I think, have a well-rounded editorial base. You have people across the spectrum, but you're sort of dissidents too in a little bit of a way. Yeah, well, the way I would explain it is that I'm from Iran and growing up there really shapes your experience and your views of the world. And you kind of see how there's this use of force in media where if they don't like you, they'll shut you down. And when I came to Canada and I started to grow up, I realized that a lot of that same mentality occurs here. Um, we just do it a little bit nicer. Mm. So, you know, you'll get kicked off from the platform or they'll ban you in this way or they'll say this or that um, as a softer way to make sure your voice isn't heard. And that really uh, kind of pushed me to want to create a media outlet that didn't think that way. It was about whatever is the story, we're putting it out there. If the story's good, if the story's bad, it's the story. 
and we don't need to touch it because the story speaks for itself. Um, so we started that, you know, a while ago. I started my first attempt at a new site maybe three years ago. That one didn't go well because we didn't have enough funding. And eventually I built the network that allowed me to create the post-millennial. Um, and early on it was, you know, the definition of a startup. It was me, my buddy Madison, and Matthew just working in this tiny one-room office in the middle of nowhere Montreal uh, with literally no money outside of maybe like a $200 investment for me, a $200 investment for my business partner. And that was it. And we went out and we worked really, really hard. I would write like eight articles a day. Uh, I wouldn't sleep most days. And we built the network. We built the people who trusted us. And over time, um, we became a powerhouse in my eyes. If you go on Facebook today, you'll notice that the post millennials engagement is bigger than the Toronto Star, the Toronto Sun, uh, and probably the National Post combined. Yeah. It's amazing, and I congratulate you uh, for everything you did and your story of starting off just the three years with no money. Yeah. I, in our own way, we lived a similar experience here at Rebel News, so congratulations on that. But I know you're in town for a different purpose now. You told me you were stepping down, and I said, oh, where are you going? What are you mm -hmm. doing? Uh, I mean, you obviously have an entrepreneurial talent. Um, I'm impressed with what you built at Post Millennium. You surprised me. You told me you're totally leaving the news and political space, and you're doing something very high tech. And I got to admit, I'm a bit of a techno peasant. So help me out. What are you up to now? Because you were telling me about it just before we turned mm -hmm. the cameras on. It sounded interesting. So, after I, during my time in the media, I quickly realized that we're rapidly approaching, if not already, in a post-privacy world. Your data is being taken without you knowing it, and even you know, the safest tools we think of from like Facebook to Google, they're there, they're taking your data and they're using it for personal gain. That's really frightening when you consider that outside of American companies, which are already worrying, uh, there are foreign companies which are far more aggressive with their data collection and far more nefarious. So you have companies like TikTok, like Huawei, that are, you know, coming to Canada, they're using their technology, and that's also being used to mine your data for personal gain. That really pushed me to want to move on, to find something that is a solution to that rapid loss of privacy and security. And uh, I, f I had a friend at uh, a company called ZU uh, who reached out and said, hey, I think we have a very good connection here. We're building the post-privacy solution, something that can actually solve these problems, make sure people's security, data, and privacy is protected, and we're going to do it as a Canadian company. It's going to be a Canadian response to an international problem. So give me, uh, in a very simplified form, the how. I understand yeah. the why, but how? So one of the first things we did is we created our own blockchain protocol. That's like the basis of all the technologies we're building. Now, blockchain technology, I'm not going to get super into it because it's very complex. It's basically like a very, very secure form of holding and passing on information. Now, we created this protocol, and on top of this protocol, we're building a host of products that will be integrated into your everyday life as a mechanism to keep you secure. So the first thing we're launching is something called MoolahMail. MoolahMail is a blockchain-based encrypted email service that won't steal your data, that won't munch it for our personal gain. Um, and it integrates on top of your current email address. So let's say you have Microsoft Outlook. You put it on top of your Microsoft Outlook. And now the Chinese government cannot go into your email and steal your information. On top of that, People can't do phishing incidents. They can't send you, you know, scam emails because everything is whitelisted. It's controlled by you. Um, 
And that's like the first product, right? Like just the email, making sure that's secure. So I wouldn't have to change my existing email address. No. This is it, you would get a username that's a Moolah Mail username, mm -hmm. but the product right now is a plugin that goes on top of your current Outlook. Hmm. Um, now, uh, you mentioned Huawei and TikTok. Yeah. I'm very alert to the, to the threat of Huawei, at least I think I am. I have TikTok on my phone because I didn't know this until my kids got into it. It's so popular. It's bigger than Twitter. It's, mm -hmm. I think it's the number two most downloaded app in the world okay. right now. So I haven't had the courage to film myself doing any TikTok dances or karaoke's yet. But I'm, I'm checking what my kids are doing, and, I, and there's a lot of fun stuff on it. What should I be worried about, and how would uh, your um, blockchain technology remedy that? Well, the technology we're developing right now would solve that, but it's not out for release. So I'm, I'm not going to get too into it, but what you should be doing is deleting TikTok immediately. You know, I've, I know that in the U.S. military, they have told their, any U.S. military servicemen don't go mm -hmm. on TikTok. I'm guessing that's to track where they are and whatnot. What, why, why should I download, uh, delete TikTok? There's probably a good reason. I just don't know it. So, the problem with a company like TikTok is that when you look at the business model, it doesn't make sense. It's a copy of a product called Vine, and Vine went bankrupt because it couldn't monetize. So why would the, you know, a, a Chinese government product effectively um, come out and support a product that can't monetize with massive amounts of money? Realistically, they're going to use that data for their social credit system. And let's say you go to China, let's say you go to Africa, not even China, a country where not a country, a continent where uh, the Chinese government has a lot of power and influence. Well, you using TikTok might mean that you're integrated into their social credit system. And if they don't like you, mm. well, you go to Africa to do business, you're suddenly blocked. Mm. So it's sort of like you almost want to keep yourself out of that bubble of them data mining you as much as possible because foreign influence isn't just in China anymore. It's becoming multiple countries. Mm -hmm. And as TikTok becomes bigger and bigger and more integrated into our social ecosystem, it's harder for us to actually reject their data mining. Yeah. Why do we not, you know, why do most businesses just use Google, even though Google takes such a big cut of your profits and takes a, you know, a big part of the tech stack? Because it's the biggest game in town. Mm -hmm. TikTok's going to rapidly become the biggest game in town. Hmm. It's owned out of China. We know that Effectively, the largest businesses in China are almost always in some way connected to the state. Mm -hmm. And we know that the Chinese state is someone you don't really want to trust. Hmm. There was just a report released recently about how Bombardier, either without knowing or with knowing, is effectively using slave labor mm -hmm. through the uh, Uyghur Muslims. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I want to be connected into that ecosystem mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that, that there was actual slave labor. Like, yeah. like Germany had during the Second World War. People, it just. Well, I'm, I'm hopeful that it, it never becomes anything like that, and yeah. I hope that that was the last time. Huh. Um, okay, well, tell me a little bit more about your company. And I know you just started there, and it sounds like it's very technical, so I'm guessing that you're on a little bit of a learning curve yeah. yourself. But I thought, well, let's meet you and say hello. Tell me, so there's, we've got viewers who are interested in technology, mm -hmm. who are interested in privacy, who are skeptical of China, and um, who use email and things like me. And, you know, I, I like what you've done before and I'm interested in what you're doing now. If there's someone watching right now that wants to learn a little bit more or, or buy something like this email, I don't know what the right email, overlay email. Plug-in. Plug thank you. 
Is it, can they do that yet, or is your technology not so rolled out? So we yet? just basically, for the last month, we had a 1,000 users that were given uh, premium for life. Mm -hmm. They would never have to pay, and they're free to use it. We filled that list out within a week. Mm -hmm. It's completely done now. Uh, we're shifting now to collecting more usernames for our next wave of users. So these are people who are like testing the system kind yeah. of thing? Yeah, so the 1,000 are basically beta testers, and mm -hmm. for being beta testers, they get the uh, free premium for life. We are going to be collecting more usernames so that once the beta testing is done, mm -hmm. um, you already have your name registered, you're good to go, and we'll reach out to you, and you can either use the free option the, or the premium option. Um, but the interesting thing is we're not just building you know, the email service. If you, know, you go to our website, moolamail.io, you'll find a six-phase plan. And how do you spell moolah? M-U-L-A. M-U-L-A. Like money, but better. Got it. <laughs> so if you go onto our website, you'll see a six-phase plan where we're developing everything from like healthcare technology to keep your healthcare data private to a marketplace for, for, for actually buying things to a digital wallet. All these things are being built. They're being built by a Canadian company mm -hmm. that wants to respond to this international crisis. And I think it, it, it's a good thing to want to support a Canadian company trying mm -hmm. to solve this privacy and security issue mm -hmm. because it really is a problem that's going to affect us all. Uh, and I have pride knowing that we're the ones that are going to be trying to solve that issue. Well, that sounds interesting to me. So if folks go to moolamail.io, uh, .io, can they sign up for this? Or so is there they a way? should be able to sign up on it. Mm -hmm. uh, we're collecting usernames. Mm -hmm. um, within the next little while, we'll be shifting mm -hmm. to allowing them to get memberships. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have enterprise solutions. So if you want to protect your business, um, while also still having access to your data so your employees can't just come in and use that privacy for themselves, mm -hmm. uh, we offer those solutions as well. Mm -hmm. Well, this is very interesting to me. I, I have to admit I'm, I'm pretty low. I mean, we're in a technology business, but I don't have a deep understanding of these things. And I guess, like so many other people, I just sort of made the the decision, well, it's a hassle to read all the terms of service. It's a ha I mean, so many times on a product they say, we've updated our terms of service, click here to read it, or just press OK. I bet you 99% of people just press OK. Yeah. They don't know what, like I, if you actually go through, for example, Instagram's terms of service, you discover that you give them a license to mm -hmm. use your photos for whatever they want and to sub-license them for whatever they want. You still own them, but you give them the right to do that. That's shocking, I bet, to 99% of people. I think those things happen because there's not enough competition in the marketplace for these you know, big tech giants. And the really cool thing about the ZU universe that we're developing, mm -hmm. is that, you know, these host of products, is that by the time we're done, and if everything goes well, we will have a Google and Facebook killer on our hands. Mm. We will have something that will allow you to actually take control from these large uh, multinational conglomerates and put your data and put your security back in your hands. Mm. And I think once people can make those decisions for themselves, the companies will have to respond and actually start acting in good faith and start providing a, a service that's reasonable. And I think there's something you know we say at our business quite often. If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. That's a very good way of looking and at it. And at the end of the day, we have to make sure we stop giving ourselves away to these companies for nothing in return. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Well, 
uh, I know you just started with the new company after a great success launching. Really, I mean, I'm, I admire Post Millennial, and I, I'm a paying subscriber, and I recommend folks become one too. Look, folks, if you're not going to support independent media like Post Millennial, don't expect it to stick around, you know? And I'm grateful for everyone who's watching this because that means you're supporting Rebel News. Thank you for that. So congrats on starting Post Millennial. I admire the product very much, and I, I've gotten to become friends with some of your, your, your teammates. So I'm excited that you're doing something new. You've obviously got an entrepreneurial spirit. You're a smart cookie. I'm still at very much square one learning about this stuff, but I invite you to keep in touch with us mm -hmm. as you roll these things out. Give us updates on them. And, um, you know, I'm not a technical expert, so I wouldn't tell my people do this or do that. And if, if I did, they wouldn't even believe me anyways because I'm, I'm not known as a technical wizard. But I'm certainly going to poke around on the website more. I'm certainly going to look at it. And uh, I think about these things as an individual person. I think about my own data security. And I do think about what have I downloaded onto my phone because I have put TikTok on my phone. And maybe that's a dumb thing. You've told me that it is. Last word to you, Ali. If, uh, You've, you've got a lot of things that are just beta testing and getting going. Where do you see uh, your company in 12 months? God willing, if things work out. I think, in general, we have a lot of very interesting products that we're going to be rolling out this year. Some of the ones that could be ex like very game-changing um, is our technology around healthcare data uh, and gaming data for, mm. lobby, uh, for lotteries and um, digital gaming. Um, those things could you know, potentially revolutionize how data is used in Africa. Um, it's something that we're still very far away from and we're in development for. Uh, we're definitely you know, more focused on the Moolah message right now, rolling that out, making it clean, making it usable, and developing more features. But you know, we could potentially be revolutionizing Africa and data management in Africa very soon. Hmm. Well, I wish you good luck. You've done great things so far in very short periods of time, so I'm sure we'll have more good news from you as you go forward. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Ali Tagva, one of the founders of the Post Millennial, now working on data security. We'll have his website at the bottom of the screen and in the text below so you can check it out for yourself. Stay with us. More Head on the Road. Welcome back on my interview with conservative leadership candidate Jim Carahelios. Karen writes, he has my vote. I think we need to fight to get our party back. His initiative to axe the carbon tax and his YouTube channel, Take Back Our PC Party, speaks miles to me. I really like the guy. I'll be honest, though, I don't know if he's got the team or the horsepower. I think, I mean, he reminds me of what we do at the Rebel. He uh, exposes corruption. He runs campaigns, he's a good egg, he's a very articulate talker. I just don't know if he's got an army behind him. You need that if you're going to win the conservative leadership and then beat Trudeau's army. Maurice writes, he's well-spoken and responded well to somewhat prickly questions. However, I still believe it's too late to save this country, no matter who's in power. So if and when the issue of Western sceptism ever comes to a vote, I'll be voting for it. Well, that's the thing. I sense that the country is fracturing again. I think you're going to have a Wexit party in the West, a conservative rump, and sort of a red Tory maybe breakaway. I don't know. It depends who wins. I think it's a mess. I think the party coalition under Stephen Harper is fracturing. And I got to tell you, I don't see anyone who I think right now would be able to beat Justin Trudeau. Do you? Mike writes, 
In my opinion, Scheer ruined his chances by being unfriendly to Rebel News. I could not vote for him. If Peter McKay follows the same path, he's a fool. Can you confirm if he is friendly to you folks? Well, neither Aaron O'Toole or Peter McKay have yet accepted our invitation to come on the show. And I think I would just ask them normal questions. Uh, someone said I was slightly prickly to Jim. I don't think I was too prickly. I mean, we got to ask him some meaningful questions. I thought it was a good discussion myself. I, I liked his answers. I think that, oh, I should tell you that um, Peter McKay briefly spoke to David Menzies at an event. His staff tried to block David, and McKay gave a non-answer. Aaron O'Toole promised either, uh, I think he promised Kean Bexty an interview and hasn't kept that promise yet. Um, look, here's my point. If you can't answer questions from me and David and Kean and the rebel, how are you going to answer questions or deal in general with those monsters at the CBC State Broadcaster or the rest of the bailout media? I mean, if you can't handle us, you're not going to be able to do much. And more than that, it shows that you're afraid of the base. We speak for, I believe, millions of Canadians. And the reason I believe that is not arrogance, but that's how many people in Canada watch and like and subscribe to our stuff. Our YouTube channel alone has more than 1.3 million subscribers. Um, there's no reason not to talk to Rebel, just like there's no reason to talk to any journalist, unless you're afraid of what the mean girls are going to say about you. And that's what worries me. I wish we had someone who was less afraid of the Rebel than he is afraid of the CBC. That's our show for today. There's been so much great journalism done by my colleagues here over the last week. I really encourage you to explore our YouTube site. And I hope you're enjoying our new website itself, rebelnews.com. Hopefully you found it okay to log in and think it's a better site than it was before. I sure think it is. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.